Star Wars The High Republic Show starts right now. Hello, this is the Journey Told Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination. To find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs, it's in that, in those moments, that is beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of her own. She's an accomplished actress, currently the host of Star Wars, The High Republic Show. She's known for her vibrant characters on the popular series Critical Role, Sirens of the Realms, Six in One, Denver by Night, Ex-Roommate, and the list goes on and on and on. Christina Ariel has graced our TV. She's graced your TV, and now she is gracing the airways today to talk with us. Christina, welcome to the Journey Told Show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being on. I know you are super busy um, hosting Star Wars. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that has been like. Oh, Okay, so imagine you're a fan of this property and then one day you get an email that turns into a call that turns into, hey, we'd like you to host this show. And you, uh, I think the, the honest reaction was, who is this? And I thought it was a prank for, like, for the first couple of hours. I was like, I have a meeting with Star Wars and my husband's like, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel it. it's very overwhelming to have this kind of dream scenario happen. And I've worked for it. But to see the work that you've done turn into working with a property that you've loved your entire life is extremely surreal. And it's a, it's a, it's a blessing, honestly. <laughs> It's such a blessing. You look so happy. So I can tell when you're saying it's a blessing, you really feel that. Um, I'm a whole nerd, like a whole entire nerd. My entire life has been fandom. So if I were, it would be like, oh, Star Wars called. Then it's like, maybe Doctor Who will call. (laughs) And then I could be a companion and I could, maybe I could be the doctor. Who knows? Like, where does the road go? It's exciting. So I was doing my research on you and I noticed that um, I saw a story saying that you you were on a playground here in L.A. and you met someone um, by the name of Donald Glover and he was able inspirational in this entire um, component of you becoming the host of Star Wars. Can you kind of take us into that story? I would love to hear it. Oh, so that story actually starts uh one day I was out for a walk with my husband and my stepson and we saw the Star Wars Rogue One premiere. And I was like, oh, they, they were setting up on Hollywood Boulevard and you see like these ships and everything and it's gorgeous. And I was like, oh, one day I'm going to go to one of those. So I did a cosplay of Lando Calrissian with a shirt from El Hopper. It's great. And I was at the park with my sister and our kids were playing and there's all these people huddled around this dude and my sister was like, Donald Glover is here. And I was like, stop it. And so like, we ended up like on the playground, like talking. And I was like, oh, I do a Lando cosplay. And he's like, I'd really like to see that one day. And I was like, I hope you get to. So fast forward a little bit. And I get invited by El Hopper to wear the Lando wrap shirt at the Star Wars solo premiere where he was playing Lando Calrissian. And so he walks up and he sees me. And I was like, and he's like, <laughs> And we just like, there's pictures of the moment where we're just kind of like 
chopping it up and his sister like and it was he was just like the most affable and delightful person and I don't even know if he knows that I work in Star Wars or that I'm this, that same person. I'm sure if he read StarWars.com, he saw the story. But like, well, it's like, oh, I wonder if that person is like remembers me. But he remembered me in that moment. And it was really, really nice that in the big standing under a Millennium Falcon, he still took the time to be like, yeah, what's up? I remember you. And that's a good feeling because a lot of people don't think outside themselves. And it just shows you how one conversation can carry over into a, a huge opportunity. Um, I think that's what's so amazing about living here in Los Angeles. It is. And it's one of those things where I was like, okay, the next time I do something with Star Wars, I like to, my mind thinks in what's next and I'm going to speak beyond this. So one thing, my first job in Hollywood was I played Lieutenant Ahura in a Star Trek video for my friends, the library bards. And while we were doing it, it was my first time like on a green screen stage. And I had watched Star Trek with my grandfather. Like he was on the, on the Enterprise, the like the naval ship when Star Trek premiered. So he got to watch the Enterprise on the Enterprise. And so we've always like kind of had that bond. It was my first ever cosplay. One, listen, if nothing else comes of this, if I never work in Hollywood again, I want Nichelle Nichols to see this and I want her to know what she means to me. Fast forward a couple of months, I got asked to work at a convention with Iona Morris, who played the voice of Storm in X-Men, the animated series. She's also does a lot of work on Blackish and Mixed-ish. She's fantastic. She's a legend, really. And she was on Star Trek when she was younger. So anywho, her seat is right next to Nichelle Nichols' table. So I spent two days at a convention with Nichelle Nichols while dressed as Uhura. And she's like, oh, you can wear my outfit. And every time I'd walk by her, she'd do like little pew, pew, pew. <laughs> cutest thing and I got to like sit with her she we talked about her meeting so one of the biggest stories for her I know that's not my story but it comes back so Michelle Nichols almost quit Star Trek when she was working on it and one day they came in and they said hey there's a big Star Trek fan that wants to meet you and she's like okay sure so in walks Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. and he tells her you can't quit you are the only black woman in a non-service position on television and you need to be here. People need to see you. You are aspirational. And that was the reason that she did not end up leaving Star Trek. Like she stayed on, became the icon that she is because he believed in her and he like told her like the importance of this moment. So I got to have that conversation and hear that story from her, a story that I've heard for years. Like she got to tell me that story. So the second day of the convention, I get a, I get a notification. Mm. The video is out. So I got to see, there's actually a little video of me watching her watch me play her in this video. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you got a, again, she's like, you got on my outfit. And it's the like to have a moment like that in those like I fully believe in full circle moments and trying to like recognize that, like even having the time hop app to be like, okay, a year ago I was here. It's a year later and this is where I am. This is why I'm grateful. Like, I'm grateful for this. And to have those moments where you get to see, to give gratitude to people who mm. came before you, to yes. see these people that you respect and say, I couldn't be here if I didn't have you. Because if you can't see it, you can't be it. So I'd never think that I could do this. She's the reason Whoopi Goldberg did it. Like, Mae Jemison, all these people, like, it's because of her. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yes, that's so beautiful. 
It's so amazing. People don't really realize, or I think it's not talked about enough, how important seeing someone doing something that you aspire to do and be like, or, or one day become, see it. And then it, it helps you get there. It helps you figure out the keys that needs to be in place to get to that destination. That's so amazing. Absolutely. It's great. Also, I love Angela Bassett. I like to say I went to the Angela Bassett School of Acting mm. because I watched What's Love Got to Do With It multiple times as a child. So I got to go to the Avengers premiere and she walks down and there's a, it actually ended up becoming a meme and it says black women doing anything me and I'm like, <laughs> there's Angela Bassett standing in front of you and you're just like, you're an icon and I did this because of you and I love you so much. You're fantastic. Yes. And she's just like, regal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's why representation matters. It's important to see people that look like you um, in this journey, that you can see that you too can be that. Absolutely. Speaking of Star Wars and your love for Star Wars, I know this is probably just not a role for you. What? How did um, Star, Wars, Star Wars play into your childhood? It's one of those things, I don't know if I can tell that. Uh, when I was in high school, my best friend Jamil and I used to, I'm not going to say we didn't, okay, we had school, but we did not go to school. We instead stayed at the house like once every few months. And it was essentially our equivalent of a mental health day where we would sit and we would just watch Star Wars marathons. We would do Star Wars marathons. We would do like four, five, six. We would do the prequels when the Clone Wars series came out, like the OG Clone Wars series cartoon before they had the current Clone Wars series. We would watch that and bridge the gap between two and three, episode two and three. And it's just such a, like, I remember my first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters was actually episode two but I watched the Ewoks when I was younger and like all of those different things. And I mean, it's such a big part of the, of the culture anyway, when you are in nerd culture, I've had, I, I go back in my time hop again, or like my Facebook memories. And it's like seven years ago, 10 years ago. And it's just star Wars memes and Star Trek memes. But it's, it's one of those things where, you can escape. I have a lot of great movies where, or moments where like coming to California in 2010 and sitting around with my entire family, my grandpa, Jack, my grandma, my cousins, and just watching like the all day Star Wars marathons. And that's a warm feeling. And so to be a part of it and to be able to host this show and be a part of a whole new era of Star Wars, like the High Republic is there. It started like Project Luminous was the code name for it. But then all of a sudden it's like now it's this entire multi-platform thing that is coming out and we're like there's all these books and comics and crossover stories and it's diverse authors and stories and characters and I I lost it because there's a character and her name is Lula and she's <laughs> got dreads and they've got these characters with braids and these intricate styles and like of course you have these amazing mm -hmm. artists so like the definition on like an afro or a curl everything looks beautiful and there's going to be this is going to be an entry point for a lot of people that will be able to see themselves in these worlds and to be a part of that and to kind of be in the passenger seat while while I'm driving a little bit but mm -hmm. it's I have this show where I get to introduce people to what comes next for this series. And it's a series that's gonna last after me. And so I get to be a small part of that. And it's, it, it's humbling, honestly. 
That was beautiful. Like I'm a cosplayer. <laughs> I'm a cosplayer and a, a host. I was hosting a nerd talk show and now I'm hosting a show for Star Wars and it's Ooh, it's intense. Speaking of intense, just changing gears a tad bit. Um, just recently, I know social media went crazy around you. Um, there's there's obviously the amazing good things that come with this show business, but there's also, unfortunately, sometimes when things can go south. And um, the headlines went viral across platforms in regards to you with racism and tweets, which were on your Twitter page. Um, I want to mention that these were all resurfaced tweets that centered on the role that white people play in upholding racism. And I know that social media can be brutal um, from the outside looking in. Um, it was, you know, just reading it. It seemed like it was almost an attack on you and your character from those tweets. Tell us what happened and how you mentally stayed focused when news like this is traveling about you virally. And, um, you know, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? Um, I'll say because of the nature of the initial clickbait title, I was like, what? And it's, it said, new Star Wars host says all white people are racist, which is not something I would say. Like I used the term white people and, and I think people took that as a, like they took that generalization where I meant this certain group and the initial headline was intended to take away from what I was saying and to make it look like I was trying to be hateful when, and of course it's the nature of the tweet, which I think I said, your racism will not save you. And that comes across threatening when you think about it. Then you look at the story attached to it and it's Asian people are being coughed on in the store and attacked. And I lost my father to COVID April 25th. I take that very, very seriously. And so you're out here coughing on people and speaking down on these people. And it's gross. It's gross. And I'm saying racism is not going to save you from COVID. It's no respecter of person. It's not going to be out like you're not going to be, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I, I'm, I can't get this. It's not going to happen to me. Like, we just saw a large part of the population taken out. And I'm very passionate about that to the point where I think I spoke passionately. Mm-hmm. And it was not an attack on a whole group of people. It was, hey, people that are doing this, you need to stop. You need to stop. And... I think I also said something to the effect of people think that we're all black people are going to vote for Kanye. And I ended it with you sound dumb. I mean, it, I wasn't voting for Kanye. That's not to say nobody voted for Kanye. He got like 5,000 votes or something like that. But I'm not. And like this, it was, this, there were all these think pieces on saying like that. Oh, like, will black people put Kanye in the white house? No. It's easy for it to feel like for me initially to dismiss this as I know what my intentions were and what I meant, but I can also understand it from the standpoint of someone who just sees this and 
is in outrage mode already. As a lot of us are, we've been in the house with COVID for a year. People like the news that you hear, that's the news that you got for the day. There's no water cooler. Like your online media is your water cooler. And for that, to be in that kind of a situation, everything is just amplified. So for me, it was like, oh, this is silly. Like, this isn't what I meant. And also I never said this, which made you think all of this sounds in line with this anti-white racism idea. And it's no, but looking at it from the perspective of someone who has experienced racism and who is met with, well, I couldn't be racist. I'm this, I couldn't, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to do that. Like, I am not going to say, okay, this is how you felt about that. Okay. I can tell you over and over again, this is not my intention, but if you took this and it hurt you, then absolutely. I'm sorry that, that that's how you took it. I'm sorry that it hurt you, but I am not sorry for being honest about the experiences that black people have in America. I'm I'm never going to apologize for that because it is a very unique experience and it's an honest experience, but we're also in this place where people want to, after all the stuff that we've gone through with George Floyd, with Black Lives Matter, like people are uncomfortable and they've had to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations where instead of feeling as if we're making progress, they feel like they're being attacked. And it feels like if you say white people, I'm attacking, like that's an attack. Like you are saying like, oh, okay, no. Like if I like to say if you're confiding in someone about racism, it, it is in, indeed a confidence. If you're correcting someone on a racist action that hurt you, you're saying I hurt you. I'm not saying you are a racist. I'm saying this racist action hurt me. Please take accountability for it. And it's very easy to understand why people reacted the way that they did. Do I understand death threats? Do I understand that you took a clickbaity story at face value and believe that instead of trying to move a dialogue forward or just put a post out there about how I was feeling in that moment, like this was taken as an attack on this entire group of people, which it was never intended to be. There are people that do these things and those people need to grow and change and become better. That's not saying all people, but all people can acknowledge the hurt and pain of a people. And I always try to tell those stories. And I I think this is really hard to talk about. I think knowing that at the time, like there were still 35,000 people following me at this time that saw those tweets and know what I was talking about in the minute or know that in the minute story. But if you take something out of context and say, oh, this person said these two words and everything after that doesn't matter. Nothing that comes after that matters. So when I first, like all of that say, when it first started that first day, like I was like, oh, okay. I, I dismissed it. I didn't think anything of it. When I woke up and I stand with Christina Ariel was trending. That was a whole nother story. That was a whole different beast because people want to believe that in my doing something, I'm taking something away from them. Like my success in this area 
is an absence of their own, which is absolutely not. Like it takes nothing away from you that I'm doing this thing. I'm not taking a job from somewhere else. It's a job that came to me that I worked for and I was really proud of myself. I was really proud of myself. I was really excited. And I like waited months to be able to talk about it and to go out there and say like, like I did this. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of forward facing black women mm-hmm. in or that get a platform of this nature. Mm-hmm. Black women that are able to go out there and get a platform in a large property like this and I was excited about that. I was excited to be like a part of that. Like, hey, like maybe this change is happening. Maybe this change is coming. But to have tweets that are essentially calling out racism be twisted to try to make it look like I hate a whole group of people is just like, I chuckle about it, not because I'm dismissing it, but because it's nervous laughter, one awkward and it's hurtful that this is the idea that after all the times that I've spoken out very clearly and very publicly about racism that this is what's the takeaway that this would be the thing that someone would say you know what this person does not deserve this platform because of this and that first day after I realized what was happening, like by five o'clock, I had to call my husband. I was like a mess. I was an absolute mess because I was so hurt by it. And I don't think people realize, like it's not one voice at that time. It's not, oh, ignore it. And then one, you have to look at it to know what you're ignoring. Like you have to know it exists to like ignore it. But then you have, I looked at my, I tracked this because I was interested to see what would happen. When I first, before I announced it, I was looking at 5 million interactions per month or 5 million impressions per month. By the end of the month, or when the show was announced, it hits 11 million. By the end of the month, it was at 42 million. And most of that was people telling me to kill myself or like people who had like, you effing anti-white racist, go and like step into a grave kill yourself you my favorite part of these people who are very adamant about it f you you racist n-word like i I had to block (laughs) the 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 word and then i had to block n-i-9-9-e-r because that was the way that they were getting around the filter that i set up to not be able to Mm. like have to look at that and to know that everything like that, to know that you're misinterpreted and willfully misinterpreted in a way to that draws a like threat, it's a lot. And then for me to say anything about it would have been, oh, she's playing victim. Like she's trying to get out here and like, this is an attack on us. And it's like, I have no, no desire to attack anyone. I have a desire for people to let people exist, let Black people exist, let Asian people exist, let minorities exist, and 
understand that we all have a right to take up space in this world, that we all have a right to be here and to be the best versions of ourselves, to improve, to hold ourselves accountable, to like, I have to hold myself accountable. Like, do I like in this whole situation, what's the takeaway? Know that you have to be very mindful of how you categorize because it can be extremely hurtful to people and it can be misconstrued in a way that your entire point is lost because you lose, people aren't paying attention after that first sentence. And it shouldn't have to be that way. I shouldn't have to tone police myself or do all these things when I, to talk passionately. But I also know that that's how conversations work. Like we have to find a way to get through to one another. We have to find a way to be able to communicate with one another that we're, that it's it's nothing is ever meant to be off-putting. It is a sharing of pain. It is a sharing of an immense weight. And it's a faith that I'm going to say this, not to argue with you about my lived experience, but to share with you my lived experience so that maybe even if it does hit a little bit of a chord with you and you say, oh man, I recognize this behavior in myself. Let me work on that. Let me be better. That's the hope. Like That is the hope that you are more understanding of your friends and their experiences. When your friend comes to you to share an experience with racism, you're not, mm, well, I've never had that experience. So obviously yours is not real. I need you to lay your trauma bare before I can believe anything that you have to say. I'm not going to believe you until I've heard every story and encounter of racism that you've had. And after I've tried to discount and dismiss all of those, then maybe you'll say one thing or I'll hear a story from someone else that's famous that I respect that tells a story about racism and go, oh my God, do you remember that time you told me that story? Now I understand. Oh, now seeing this public discourse on racism, I understand what you were going through, but also please educate me. Please break this down for me more. And it's a lot to walk that tightrope of trying to not hurt someone's feelings while telling them you're hurt to say hey like I'm not trying to hurt your feelings I'm not trying to attack you as a person I am trying to tell you that this like these actions hurt me they affect my life they affect my mental health and like I am grateful I've been in grief therapy but because of lots of my stepdad like I've been in grief therapy and if I had not been in therapy I would be Maybe not in this chair right now because it was so much, so much and so loud and just, and it's, oh, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts because as many times as you can Luke 6 and 28 it, like blessed the curse, you pray for them that disciple misuse you. Like you can say those things to yourself. You can pray. You can know that God knows your heart and your intention and you can you can hope that in this situation, like there's growth for, for you and maybe for some people, but I, I was not, I was going into an extremely joyful, what I thought was an extremely joyful part of life. I was going to be like, yes, like watch this show. And then to have people say like, don't watch our show. Like she hates white people. I'm like, I don't, I absolutely don't. And I like, I, I'm very, <laughs> work very hard not to like, like my husband is white, but that doesn't mean anything. That would be the same thing as somebody coming into an argument with me and be like, well, I'm not being racist towards you because like my partner's white. That does nothing. Like 
his whiteness doesn't negate my lived experience as a black woman and my blackness doesn't take away his privilege Mm -hmm. and like no like we're not each other's shields I don't have to go out there and say that and I had somebody say that like why don't you go out there and tell him like no because that's not true like you could very much be married to somebody of another race and still have implicit bias and still have all of those feelings so that's not anything it's nothing it interact with people on a individual basis and you find out who they are but if I'm close to someone and I express those feelings I want to know that I'm being heard and I've always tried to use my platform to have those conversations with people and be as honest and as candid as I can be and sometimes I I speak out of anger or I speak out of like rushing to respond in that like this situation rushing to respond to a tweet that I saw that outraged me or made me feel a certain type of way and I will say that out of this I've learned (laughs) I've I grew up in like a tabloid media time, Princess Diana, all of those things. I've always seen those public like situations. And I now look at those through a very different lens of like, we can be critical of people. Absolutely. Like criticism is great. A friend said the other day, she's like, yeah, constructive criticism is great. But like you, like, you can criticize without threatening. You can criticize without being hurt, like being malicious. The core of it is there's no pretty way to put how all of it was. It was really hard to deal with. Like, and let me be very clear. This is not, I'm, this is not an attack on, on any type of fan cult on fan. It is a culture, a clickbait culture is my issue. Clickbait culture is my issue. The fact, the monetized clicks to intentionally be hurtful and to I feel like people enjoy the ride of watching someone be successful like as long as it doesn't make them feel like they're falling behind. Mm. And so when it does start to feel like, oh, maybe I'm falling behind, not because you're on a different road or a different journey and you don't know what this person's put in. You have no idea like what their road has been to lead to this point. But you, it becomes, oh no, 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 no. You're getting too big for your britches. Let me bring you back down. Let me knock you back on the ground and make sure you stay there. Because mm, like, it was cool. It was cool watching you do well but not anymore not anymore i want to see you fall and we do that to a lot of people in these cultures and then when something happens and they get pushed to a breaking point because they get harassed or targeted or have like their addresses and information leak then we wonder oh my gosh like this person they like hurt themselves why how could this possibly happen like they couldn't be the fact that people have their own journeys that they're going through people have their own mental health that they have to worry about outside of this world that this is work 
this is work. It's my job. Mm. Like at the end of the day, I still have to go be a mom and a wife and be present. And like the first couple, like the first month, honestly, because for a lot of people, it's a news cycle. It is a news cycle and you get all of it in. You get all of it in as much as you can, get your feelings out about it. And then you move on to the next story. But there's still a person behind that story that isn't a ball on the ground. Especially in a situation where it's a very, a very tabloid spin-esque situation. And it's, oh man, it's, I'm trying to be stoic and all these things, but I'm not, I'm not, I am a person who I've been in entertainment now, like I've on and off throughout my life. Like I've like done stage plays. I've done these things, but like hardcore, this is my only job is in entertainment that started in like 2017. Like that was when I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I've worked really hard for those years to do what I want to do, which is what I love. I love nerd culture. I love being passionate. I love entertaining people. And to almost, I've, I've been I've been very supported because of the fact that people who were by my side when I spoke out on racism in those instances, they know what I said and how I said it. And that's why the, it's also, if you know me, you know how I treat people. You know that I wanna leave people better than I found them. That is always my intention. And so to know that people will stand up behind you, literally like people that I've worked with, almost every big studio that I've worked with since I've been in entertainment would put their name out there to know, hey, like this isn't, that's not what this was at all. Like to have that kind of support really has meant a lot. I'm talking a lot, but it's it's a lot to kind of try to navigate through because it's an extremely painful situation because I like, it's still there. Like it's, it's still happening because it's still now this thing where you're going to Google my name and like this story from a website that is like known. They did. I remember the same website did an article about Chadwick Boseman when Black Panther came out and they were like, Chadwick Boseman hates all Europeans says like, these are the things that they do when Yana Peralt got announced that she was going to be in the Powerpuff Girls. They're like, well, once again, they hire anti-white racists and they would take any tweets that said white people or that talked about a black cultural experience. And they would use that to say, these are anti-white. Like these sentiments are like, there's this new narrative of, no, actually black people are the racists. And that's why racism keeps happening because black people keep letting it happen. No. And black people aren't going to solve it. Like, we can't solve something that's done to us. We're expected to experience it, solve it, and also make the people that perpetuate it feel better about it. And it's hard because how, like, it's always going to be there. And I can't, I don't, can't and don't want to change my skin. I can't and don't want to be anything other than the strong Black woman that I am. But in also being a strong Black woman, I'm also just surviving half the time. I am just doing my best and hoping for the best and hoping that people see who I am through it all because 
I didn't respond. I didn't, I shared some of the threat, like the threatening stuff that I received and just said, well, this has been a weird day. Like I just said something like to that effect and, and moved on with it. And I went back to my life because why am I going to go and I'll say it like this. My grandma said a hit dog will holler. I'm not hollering. So you're still getting at this moment right now, you're still getting these types of threats on social media. It's less threats and more like now it's gotten to the point where it's kind of the periphery. And also I've like, I was fortunate enough to be able to like filter and block and having the verification makes it easier to to block out those things. Real talk (laughs) because I'm like, I'm not out in the world and somebody's just coming and screaming this stuff in my face. It's someone that's like, no, like, answer me. You answer me, you disgusting pig racist cunt. Like, those, sorry. But like, those are the things that are like the messages that are still coming. It's like, you're disgusting. You're a pig. You're an ape. You're this. You're a monkey. You're like, uh, <laughs> it's really funny. Like, how much is given away in what people say when they're trying to attack you for a thing. It, it's very interesting about how much it says about them. How do you not internalize that and then start to believe these hateful things that you're receiving online? Um, you do. Mm. You do internalize it to a certain extent. You do internalize it. You do. Because especially right now, again, pandemic inside, I look at the last two years and it's, it is very hard for me to separate a lot of that stuff because I went straight from uh, working my entire pregnancy, having an emergency C-section, going from emergency C-section to postpartum anxiety and depression to a pandemic, to losing my dad in said pandemic, to just trying to like keep my head above water and not drown from that to this situation, which may, again, it seems like a, just a news cycle, but it, it affects you. It does affect you when you have these things said on a level and no matter how much you filter or try to stop it or try not to, like, I, I think I would be a really, I wouldn't be myself if I didn't look at this situation and examine my approach, how I say things, how I word things, absolutely. Like that's just a part of hopefully being an accountable adult. And also thinking about the fact if this person says they're hurt, you don't get to say they're not because how they received it is how they received it. And I can't take that away from them. But what I can do is say, I'm not going to sit here and you're going to yell at me and say, I think that I think you're this. I think you're this. I think you're this. And you don't want to hear what I have to say. You just want to make me feel as if I'm a terrible person. And it does make you feel like a terrible person for a while. Like it does. You fluctuate. It's almost like there's this really great show. It's called I Hate Susie on HBO Max. Billy Piper. Love her forever. Rose Tyler from Doctor Who. (laughs) So she gets this. It's great. So she, I watched this right before this all happened too. So she gets this role 
in Disney. She gets the call and they're like, oh no, like she's like, mommy's going to be a princess. I'm going to be a princess. Like Disney called, I got the call. Soon as that happens, she's like growing around her house, getting ready to do a photo shoot. And she looks on her phone and she's looking at like all these, like on a, like on a blog, looking at these stories. And she's just like, oh, sex scandal. Nah. And she clicks it and it's like, she doesn't like read the thing. She ends up like walking off and she's getting all these calls. Her phone's blowing up and people are like, are you okay? Are you okay? And she's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm, what are you talking about? And it turns out the scandal is broken and she has to deal. Each episode is like a stage of grief, like denial or mm-hmm. like acceptance. And it is like that whole situation of you are grieving a part of yourself that is now public and you spend your entire career being like, Ooh, one day I could be in like Vogue and Vanity Fair and these things. And you get there and it's because of racism. Hmm. And it's not about, it's not talking to you. The first time you get to be in these big publications, it's about you. And It hurts. Like this whole thing hurts. I have internalized so much of it because that's who I am as a person. I'm an extremely sensitive person. And I don't like the idea that I've hurt anybody. I could move in this world and hurt people. Like anyone I ever have felt like I've hurt, I've gone to and been like, hey, I feel like this hurt you. It doesn't matter how many years it is. Like I feel like that hurt you and something. And I still can't sleep at night over it. That's who I am as a person. So to be in the situation where you feel like you you've been put in a position to make people think that you were trying to hurt them on such a grand scale. It's hard not to take that and cry and hurt because it's a lot. It is a lot when you, it's, it makes it very almost impossible to be able to separate like my job, my life. These lines are now all so blurred because it's my name. It's my name that my mama gave me that, is being drugged (laughs) that I've lived with my whole life. This person that I know, this person who I am, the person that I know myself to be is being seen as something else. And it's interesting to know like the, uh, the amount of work that I've done and that there are multiple interviews and even our black AF podcast that we did or video podcast that we did is out there. And the things that were misconstrued are the things that I've said all along. Like I've, I've, my message hasn't changed. It's just be better. Mm, I love that. Be better. What advice would you give to someone else, another celebrity or another person for that matter, that may be experiencing um, a hatred from social media, from a, a past tweet or past something that they've, they've posted and may be walking in the shoes that you're walking in. What do you advise them to do or what can they do to um, help them cope and try to somewhat bounce back and not let them this affect them? I mean, I think the reality of it is it is going to affect you. It is if you a lot of people can be like, I didn't do anything, so I don't feel bad. Like, no, like it, it still feels bad to have a large amount of people wish you dead or wish harm on you or to take these like social media blurs this line. Like people say stuff they would never say to you in person, but then it's like, what about those people that will say it to you in person? Like, 
mm-hmm. and you know that they're upset about something and they're not in a position to receive you like that's terrifying and for people coming into it it's I talked to a lot of people who had had a similar experience and I've, I've had a lot of support from people who have been through similar things and the biggest message across the board has just been protect your peace mm. find your peace protect your peace and also, one thing that I really found that I love through this whole thing is if you go and get a book and like put your phone away for like an hour and just go take a bath, it's really relaxing. Get some bath bombs. I became a bath bomb aficionado. I had a waffle bath bomb. I think it was amazing. It smelled like syrup. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, that's like, man, just there aren't a lot of ways to escape when you are still dealing with a panorama. So, so it is. It's important to just, at the end of the day, you know your truth. At the end of the day, like, if if there's accountability that needs to be taken, to take accountability. But no matter how public your job is, you do not owe yourself to everyone. People, there's a sense of ownership that people take over people they've made. Mm-hmm. they support it that they've made and it's understanding you need to know who you are you need to be who you are but you also need to reflect in that time like reflect know who you are and think about how you can be better going forward how if people want to say something they're going to mm-hmm. if people feel a certain way that's how they feel Like you can't change that. You can just be who you are and show people what you do and hope that the people that misunderstand you attempt to understand you. But you you aren't for everybody and you're not going to be for everybody. Somebody is going to not like the way you turned left one day. And you just have to Do your best to have, like, not just to have good intentions, but just keep doing the work. Keep doing the work. Keep being kind. Go out there. And if I could say anything that has shielded me and my heart in this situation, it's seeing my friends speak to my character and my heart and how I made them feel that I did not ask a single person to speak out for me. I didn't like I didn't know that I needed that support and I was very lucky to have it and to have people that had my back and that saw through what was happening I was very fortunate just to have people that saw me through the distortion of me Mm. that was beautifully said It's a circle. Your circle is so important. 
um, I think as you go through life and as we experience things, it, it, having that level of support just makes a world of a difference. Um, speaking of support, I noticed there was a hashtag that was created that the, the hashtag is I stand with Christina. And that was trending on social media. Uh, I also saw that the official Star Wars trip Twitter account responded to the social media controversy and they made it very clear that they were standing with you. Um, the quote was, we do not stand for bullying and racism. We support Christina. And they made sure to tag you in that response. How did that make you feel to have your show, Star Wars, publicly stand behind you in this nature and and really have uh, so many people support you with this hashtag to show that they that they do stand with you, that they do support you? It feels honestly, it felt really good because I did not expect it. Like mm-hmm. I did not. Of course, like on the back end, you have people that are like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you like, what, what can we do? But I didn't expect. Uh, I didn't expect to have that level of support to have that many people that are like, my grandpa died and Christina picked up the phone and called me like the, those kinds of things where it's like this person has supported me to have a, a company speak out. I know there was a lot of pushback on that because people say, oh, well, they didn't do X, Y, Z in the past. They didn't do X, Y, Z and speak up for this person. And I can't speak to those situations. I can say that I wish that those people had felt supported in that moment because I know how it felt in the moments where I was unsupported. Like I want people to be better and that journey needs a step. It needs a step, like a step in the right direction. It doesn't undo everything that's been done, but it does help you move forward. And I think that it was a step forward that the people that come after me will feel supported that they can have someone say, you know what, like this level of hatred is unacceptable. This level of bullying and targeted harassment is unacceptable. And people need that. And I want that from these big corporations going forward. I want to see them saying like, no, like each situation is its own situation. I want these, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to just say it plainly. If you are sending a person of color, BIPOC, Black, Asian American, if you are sending these people out into your property, if you are bringing, if you're trying to diversify and bring people into the fold, make sure that the fold is supported. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're coming into a situation where you know that even it's a part of you is like, it's going to be just fine. Everything's going to be great. You just come on in here that you stop for a second and identify what a privileged thought that is Mm. that your experience would not be the same. Your experience coming in is not going to be the same. You are sending a person into a space where they might be the only face of color that they see. They might be the only face of color in a room Mm -hmm. sitting on a set. Like I've always said, I want to be, I want to seat at the table, but I don't want to eat alone. Like I, I don't, I want to feel supported. I want to be in a room 
And look, I remember my first show where I had another black woman and a black man and a Hispanic man and was just like, <laughs> like this is incredible because I wasn't by myself. So in those moments where I needed somebody to stick up for me, someone else was going to understand my experience and my journey and understand that those it's not a diva behavior to ask you to protect me. It is a, I need protection going into this because I am a black woman. I am a minority coming into a situation. And if you've ever read a gossip blog, a magazine or anything, you know that it's going to come with some pushback because as progressive as the world may seem, there are still some spaces that are lacking in diversity. And I want to see people set others up for success and to win and to have their backs when it does go left. Like prepare for the fact that it may go left. If it doesn't, hooray. (laughs) But if it does, like have that support in place. Have somebody who is going to make your your team member feel like a team member. That's beautiful. What is your dream project? Your next, what's your next project? If you can talk about it and if you can't, that's okay. If you could answer the question of what would be your dream, your dream project that, that you have not done yet to come. Okay. My absolute dream project, as mentioned it earlier, I want to be on Dr. Who. I want to be a companion. I think it would be extremely fantastic. I would like to do a project with Angela Bassett. It's going to happen one day. I'm speaking that thing like into the world. I'm going to work with her one day and it's going to be fantastic. I also want to do like a buddy comedy. <laughs> it sounds random, but like I really do. I want to do a buddy comedy with Kelly Rowland where we play sisters who go on a road trip. Oh, I love that. I can see that vision actually. I think it would be hilarious. I, um, I read that you actually work from a vision board and have a vision board in your home and use vision board principles in your life. I do the same thing. I have a print, a vision board in my room, a different one in the hallway. I, I have them all around me. What is your vision board process? Um, what's that like for you? Um, do you use pictures? Oh. Do you use like? Do you have a work one and a home life one? Is it all scattered together? What What's it like for you with your vision board? Uh, the one that we have currently is kind of uh, just a. It's funny. We put this up when we first moved into the house, and the picture smack dab in the middle is Star Wars. It is a picture from a magazine from a newspaper article in the LA Times that's an animation of Star Wars. So when I first started living with my husband and we we're first dating we went to the grocery store and I saw a magazine with like Taraji P Henson on the cover and I was like and he's like what and I was like every time I see a black lady on the news cover in a grocery store I get excited because when I was younger it was like just Jen Ebony and like maybe one every blue moon so every time I see a black woman on the cover of a magazine I get extremely excited because I'm like oh I could be in a magazine one day I could like these are things like it's some little girls walking by and it's like ooh, like I could do this thing so the first one actually ended up being what was called the wall of representation in our kitchen Mm. my husband after I told him that story every time he saw a magazine at the store with a black woman on it he would buy it and he would 
like paste them up on the wall over our sink. And so we had like, I think we had like Queen Latifah, we had Taraji P. Kenton, we had Janelle Monet, and it was just like, it was just, oh my God, that's the most beautiful wall ever. So in 2018, my husband put up my magazine spread. I ended up being, I was in Cosplay Culture Magazine and did like a thing on We Can All Be Wonder Woman. And so I'm in this magazine as Wonder Woman, like a two-page spread. So he puts that up there and puts like my Misty Knight cosplay from the magazine up there. And I got to be on the wall of representation, which I think he bought, he rode around town like to every Barnes and Noble he could find and bought all the copies, like made little videos of himself, like buying all of them. So that way, if we had to redo the board, he could always put me back up there. So right now, like it is, it's seeing people that I admire. Like right now, it's oh, there's a Run the Jewels album cover over there. Cause it's really funny. And then, so it's Rihanna's up there right now. We got Janelle Monet. Then there's family pictures interspersed throughout it because that's what it's all about, and that's what this is all for. There's the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream album cover up on the wall, and. Then a really random picture of a friend of ours who's a magician because my husband's a magician and mm-hmm. it's a friend who did this magic trick. And so we have like, he always gives us a picture of himself as a part of his trick. So that's up there too. Do you- but I like to see like what, what could be, what could be next. And like, those are like Vanity Fair is up there. I was like, oh, I want to do something with Vanity Fair one day. The other day I got to do the Vanity Fair podcast. Like it's, it's seeing all these things. And I, oh my gosh. And I got to be like, talk about what I love. That was the thing. I want to talk about what I love and what my joy is and why I do what I do and what my job is because like the other stuff is going to be there, but I don't want to just be a diversity consultant. I don't want to just, I want to talk about what I'm good at, which is pop culture. Absolutely. Do you find that a lot of the things that you've actually put on your vision board comes to life? Oh yeah. A thousand percent. That's why it's, it's a little mind blowing sometimes to look at it and either see that I've become friends with someone who was on the board or to see that like these people are now colleagues or to know like these are my hopes and looking at them I appreciate them more as they're happening and I think so much we're always on the search for what is next what is next what is next that it's, it helps me to take those moments to appreciate how far I've come, like to be able to look at it and know where this, my vision board started and to know that I've gotten to the point where like my own magazine gets to be up there. Like mm. those things are important Like it keeps you driven. It keeps you knowing like I can get as much out of it as I put in and I'm gonna put my whole heart. It's beautiful. I would like to wrap up this segment with with a new segment that we're calling Tell and Tell, which is a play on the words show and tell. So what can you tell us that deeply impacted you that no one knows about? Somewhat of a, somewhat of a secret of sort. Ooh. Something that has impacted me. Mm-hmm. That you have not shared yet. No one knows about this. What can you tell us? What's the tea? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say this because she swears that I never, ever talk about it. My entire life, I have wanted to make my sister crap. A lot of what I do is like 
I remember like one day she like, cause I mean, we're sisters. So we're like, oh, I took your shoes. Oh, don't be dumb. But <laughs> it's those things. But my sister, like the first time she like acknowledged what I do and my job and like said that she was proud of me, made me want to keep doing it. It made me want to keep making her proud and keep doing stuff that would make her show her sister. And like, if you think about high school, we used to host the news together in high school and people would be like, are you related? She'd be like, no. I'd be like, no, we're not. We're like, yeah, you guys have the last name, like same last name. Like, no. So it's, it's very, that is a random full circle for me is to come from being sisters in high school who were like, nah, we're not related to her being supportive and somebody sent her, there's a gif, a gif of me as Supergirl walking through a crowd and somebody sent it to her and was like, I see this everywhere. And she was like, what, my best friend? And I was like, she called me her best friend. Like, yeah, I'm your sister, but you called me your best friend. Yes. <laughs> that means a lot to me. Oh my God, we I love have that. We have <laughs> But she's the best person. She's an amazing mom. She's like one of those people that went and my sister was at Auburn. She ended up leaving and she had her family, but she said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to get my degree. And she walked across the stage pregnant with her daughter and she got her degree and had a Star Wars baby shower like that same weekend. So we got to do her Star Wars baby shower and watch her graduate. And that girl's an inspiration, man. Wow, that's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I enjoyed this conversation so much. You're such a beautiful spirit, such a beautiful soul. I really appreciate it. Um, where can someone find you? If they want to, to follow on your journey, um, tell us where they can where they can do that. I feel like a Bachelorette contestant. Yes. So if you'd like to follow my journey, it's <laughs> at Christina Ariel, K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. And that's on Instagram and Twitter, Christina Ariel. You can watch my show, uh, Star Wars The Higher Public Show, on StarWars.com and the Star Wars YouTube channel. Make sure it's the official Star Wars YouTube. So, uh, yeah, you can watch episodes of that. It comes out bi-monthly, so our next episode will be in May. So, um, yeah, I hope that you will watch it and support, and hopefully as my career grows or whatever comes next, I hope that more people will be my heart and who I am. And I hope that you enjoy my work. I don't know. Oh, also there's a show on <laughs> dropout TV called Pirates of Leviathan. And I have to do it because I've been sitting in front of these wings and people are probably like, why does this girl have wings? So I play a character on the show and her name is Barbarella Sanspirilla Ganglin, but everybody calls the Bob and she's essentially like the Beyonce of the whole realm, but it's like D&D &D Beyonce. So she's like, that's why I have these wings. And it's uh, for my character, Bob. So if you ever want to watch that, it's Pirates of Leviathan. It's a tabletop RPG game. And we play characters. We have no scripts. We make the entire thing up as we go along. There's just a storyteller that guides it. And it's on Dimension 20's Dropout, which is a spinoff of College Humor. I love it. Well, you have a new fan over here. I will follow you, follow you on all of these different paths of your journey. Thank you again for being here. You're so appreciated. Your soul is amazing. Don't ever doubt Thanks it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. 
Well, that is it for this episode of The Journey Told Show. I always want to leave you with a takeaway. And that takeaway for this show is going to be to do a social media sweep. Take some time and go through your Twitter post, your Instagram post, your Facebook post. Look at those old posts and make sure it's the mindset of where you are today and how you feel. If it doesn't serve you, delete, delete, delete. Clean up your social media from the past. Or if it serves you and it's how you feel, go ahead and keep it there. If you're in need of any type of assistance when it comes to social media platforms, sprucing up your social, damage control, things that go viral, you can always reach out to us at Exact Publicity, www.exactpublicity.com. That's what we do. We are fixers. Um, if you want to watch this episode in full, make sure you go to journeytold.com. You can also learn more about Christina on the journeytold.com and also check out our platform. If um, you're interested in anything else in regards to this show, you can always subscribe on YouTube and all streaming platforms where you receive your podcast. I'm going to sign off with words that my father would often tell me that still resonate in my spirit. And that is, remember to be the best you that you can be. Until next time, folks. See you soon.